You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Aaron Castro. I'm back from San Francisco. I'm joined this week by Victor Perez and Josh Fredland. Corey is also alive and well in Iowa. So how's it going, everyone? Doing well, guys. I was missing this. Two weeks off. Absolutely. It's uh, good to be back with everybody. It's good to see you. And uh, I think we got a little bit longer break coming up, but we'll talk about that later in the show. So let's enjoy it while we got it. Yep. Two weeks off, huh? Well, not enough. I'm hoping. I think uh, I put in a six week break. I don't need to see your ugly faces for that long. <laughs> I mean, if you look, if anyone looked at the, uh, the calendar I put up today on Twitter, um, they'll understand why. Holy hell. <laughs> yeah we do not have much of a break so uh we'll uh we'll have plenty to talk about when we come back in september that'll be sure yeah josh um so you were watching the sevens on the olympic channel by itself no other no other place you said that the only channel you watched was no no no. i, I watched it all i was just <laughs> like it was it was it was funny is because they said they were going to put more of it on NBC Sports Gold, but they only put the the morning portion of the first day of the women's competition on gold. Everything else is available on on cable. Well, there you go. Um, that's something that we haven't had in a very long time. Everyone mm-hmm. is uh, you know hours and hours of linear content. Uh, that was interesting, especially like you had. Basically, British Open for on the Peacock, right? And then the Sevens after the British Open was done that day. So that was cool. Um, yeah, I thought that really well because you're like people too lazy to change the channel. Be like, oh, hey, what's this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's perfect. So, um, well, for for those new to the podcast, each Monday night we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union competition it's a chance to discuss the issues hear from the league team leadership check in with our friends from across the u.s rugby scene and well or just uh talk about the most recent earful of dirt deployment which was to the rugby world cup sevens in san francisco uh you know went packed up the house made sure everything was locked up got on the train this, I don't know how you people like trust, uh, and by you people, I mean New Yorkers, because we usually have two New Yorkers on this podcast. Um, how you guys trust public transportation like the subway so much? Because, uh, I mean, I took the train in Arizona to get to the airport, so that was kind of cool, and it was cheap. It was two bucks. Um, and then, uh, you know, we took the train into the city. We took the BART, which was not crazy expensive. But uh, so. how often do you take the subway, Victor? No. Every day. I don't know how to drive. I'm a New Yorker. You don't know how to drive. 
I'm a 28 year old man that doesn't know how to drive because I live in New York. Real New Yorkers don't know how to drive. Uh, well, uh, that's uh, you know we could help you uh, in the man department by getting <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> getting, you, getting you I've, learned up how to drive. Jeez, yeah, you gotta get dude, your... there's there's no need because literally the subway takes you everywhere around the city, literally. So there's not really no need to have a car. It's, it's a lot more expensive for me to pay for gas and to pay for my metro cards uh, monthly. Because really, if, if if I add up what I spend uh, yearly, I'm I'm sure it's a lot cheaper than putting gas on on the tank. I'm sure. I'm not saying have a car. I'm just saying have a license. Oh well, yeah, that that's just called laziness. So that's why I don't have one. It's, it's called laziness. <laughs> I, I know. I won't lie. My, my my parents have been nagging me for years, like, you need to get your license, you need to get your license, I will, I will. The years go by, I never do, because I don't have the need for it. Now, what, 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 once, what's to say, once the shit hits the fan, then I need to get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it's just what it is. So, yeah. <laughs> when, when it's too late. I, I took the train um, a couple times this weekend, that was kind of cool. Hoofed it around San Francisco, watched 30 freaking hours of Sevens Rugby, and I got to say, I'll probably never watch Sevens on the television again. Because, uh, you know, some people say it's like a, that Sevens is the way to be, grow, a, grow the sport uh, via the broadcast. And, you know, after watching, you know, that much high-level Sevens uh, ocular overload, sensory overload, uh, right in front of me. Cause I had great sight lines from the tri zone where I was all the time. It, I, it just watching it on TV just doesn't feel the same. Whereas rugby 15s, it, it sort of translates well to, you know, the television for me. Do you think it's because it's a longer game? Yeah, I think it's because I'm used like, I'm, I think it's because I'm used to it being long uh, with any sport, right, in America, because baseball games are long. You know, basketball games are an hour or longer. Uh, Football games are three-something hours long. So, you know, sitting down in front of the television uh, for, you know, two two and a half hours is, like, normal. Whereas, like, boom, 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 action, gone. But I, yeah. I no, no. I, I like I went to the Rugby Town Sevens last year, and like that was my problem. Like, things started at nine in the morning, and I left at like five, and it still wasn't over. And like, yeah, it's just a lot. Oh, it was. I mean, it was exhausting. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think as a like as a sport, I will. I've never been to Vegas for Vegas Sevens. I guess it might be worth going this year because, you know, I, I liked that. I loved the festival atmosphere and all that stuff. I basically was sitting on the island of Fiji in the section I was in. So that was really cool. And, you know, oh, I guess I should probably talk about the segment. Uh, Rugby World Cup sevens, the U.S. women finished fourth. The U.S. men finished, well, they finished where they finished in the table. Uh, for the HSBC seven series this year, so yeah, we'll talk about which that. Which was Wait. sixth? Yeah, which was sixth. But uh, um, you know, San Francisco as a destination city, I totally get it. But man, I looked at my bank account today. <laughs> no, never again. That was, uh, I think, uh, you know, 
I think you can do these big cities. You can rough it when you're without a significant other, but your significant other is always going to want to stay in, you know, someplace decent. Um, so, but you know, I, I, I did not think we'd pull this off. Uh, we had over a hundred thousand people. Well, not a hundred thousand different people, but a hundred thousand bodies go through the turnstiles this weekend. We made the Giants, World Rugby, and our sponsors happy. Uh, the Giants made their cash, that's for sure. Holy moly. Uh, $12.50 $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12. $12
They were pretty bad. I, I felt bad for Jamaicans. I really Jam- felt bad. Jamaica probably had the best um, uniform setup. The, yeah. the whole in their way. I really liked the Crocs. That, definitely. Uh, I really definitely. liked the are, are, are we going to uh, talk about the France jerseys? Um. Well, the, I love them. I don't care what I don't care what any of you guys like them. Here's the thing: the blue one, the blue one looks like trash. The white one, the white one looks pretty good. Oh, dude, I, I love I love both of them, and the fact they had this the number seven rather in front. Well, that's I, I mean that's what makes the that's the whole look. I mean, yeah, of course, but it looks really, white, good. It looks really cool. The white one looks good. The blue one, not so much. I was go. Cool. I was I was all right for both of them. Really, I was. Really but cool. uh. And then, you know, who knows why uh, the men's sevens are in unbranded samurai kit. But the women's were wearing a nice Adidas shirt. I really like that. Uh, you know, it, it was but uh, so so that that's something to talk about, I guess. But for me, the format was kind of shit. I, I it really. Uh, because in pool play, there are still upsets because I think based on how we ended up playing, you know what? I think we might've been knocked out in pool play on the men's side because we only had to, we played two games and then, you know, got knocked out. And then our final game, we, it was, you know, we, we mailed it in. So, I mean, I'll really talk about that a little bit, uh, after this, but Pool play, you can have upsets. We see pool play have upsets all the time because Fiji uh, finished like 14th, one stop on the tournament, right? Like we're talking a strong Fiji team during the series that stopped, you know, didn't <laughs> that got their butt whooped. So that's what happens in seven. So you could we could have seen that. But my biggest thing about that is did this format celebrate the sport? Yes or no? How would you say that? Why? Why do I ask? Why no, no, I no, ask no. Why does no? Why does Josh say why? I'm gonna say yes. And why? Why say yes? So you're gonna I say mean, yes? Um, I I said yes or no. So let's yeah, get of course, answer. of course. No, so no, no. You, I, I I understand. I just wanted to hear Josh's. Yeah, but first, say yes first, to your first, let's get an answer from you. Yes or no, and then we'll oh, get. Oh, out. okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Okay. So Victor says no. Josh, mm-hmm. why do you think it doesn't celebrate sport? Okay, so we know how some teams perform as a whole, and then on like certain times, teams perform bad. Like a lot of the times, Fiji doesn't have their best performance their first match of the day. We know that, and I they did. We had, and the, and yeah, they didn't. And but then you have like France beating Australia, and I mean, uh, granted, it was technically in the knockout rounds which would count, but I'm like, you had Kenya win a stop, I forget, either last year or the year before. Um, and I think that the, the format helped, whereas you don't have the predetermined seeds until the pool play is finished. And I think that made kind of a big difference in this. And I also didn't like, like, I could understand if this was like the format specifically for this for the World Cup. I can maybe understand that. Because you, you get more teams involved, they could all have their games. But what really drug me down on the performance or of the format 
was that they were considering this for the World Series. And that's when I was like, no. Like, if you had kept it for the as a World Cup or Olympics-only format, I would have been okay. But when you're bringing this into a world into the World Series, that's when it kind of pushed it over the edge for me. Okay, Victor, why do you think it didn't sell? Okay, so yeah, so it's really because of the potential of of upset of upsets. Sevens has the 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 thing that seven has over fifteens is that fifteens is is dang, I don't want to say it's a predictable game, but sometimes it feels predictable because it feels that even even if the game hasn't been played, you already know who is going to be winning. It really, the game is all about who comes best prepared. I mean, any sport is like that. But with Union and League, well, rugby, rugby all together, really, you can almost 90% of the time say, oh, you know what, that team is going to win. Of course, there are opposites all the time, but they don't happen as often. But the good thing about sevens is, since the game is so fast and you only got seven players, there's more chances, of, uh, again, of, of the lesser team to come and win. Uh, best example, I mean, I don't know if you're going to call them a lesser team. Look at Ireland. The Irish team doesn't play. It's not a core team in the, in the series. But lately, they've been, bring, they've definitely been bringing it to the teams that are core team, that are core members I mean, so, of, of the series. So my Ireland finished what? Third Not, and, and, the well, last no. third of the last two stops, right? London yes, yes, that's Paris. right. Yes, that's right. It, it finished third. That's right. And the medal. Exactly. Yeah. And they're not even constantly, uh, again, uh, playing in the in the series. And they, I mean, they ended up ninth overall in, in, the, in the World Cup. But, but, but still, which is a respectable placing from a team that is not a core team. And then you look, for example, Japan, that was core and ended up 15th in the World Cup. And then you look at Samoa, 13th, which is also core. So, so you know, I, I did say no about the format, but at the same time, I, I liked it, the fact that it cuts down, comes down the, 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 the fat, as in the teams that I mean, they're there. I mean, I said to say it just to make up the numbers. Well, so, so, so this is, I guess, this is what leads into, you know, my point about it doesn't celebrate this form, period. Um, what it basically it plays into um, who the top teams are almost immediately, except like we saw some upsets right away. Ireland women, they, England, they, they, they came to play. In the first game, and England laid an egg, you know. Like, well, Ireland, to be fair, the Ireland women are regulars on the World Series. Yes, true. that is true. Unlike, unlike the men, that is true. But that England team is full of heavy hitters from, like, 15's veterans, Vicky Fleetwood, mm-hmm. Emily Scarrett, Rachel Burford. Like these are like this. That team was loaded, and then that Je- then Jessica Breach, who is this brand new phenom who made it onto the series last year, but in her debut for 15s against Canada in November, she scored six tries in her debut. So that team was loaded. Okay. Um, so to 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 give this a little context, 2017 2018 Women's World Series, England only finished three points ahead of Ireland. 
Good to know. Um, but on the men's side, let's like so. But it wasn't really about for me. It wasn't really about that. It was more like anything can happen in pool play. Period. Because we've seen it, right? So on both the men's side, especially with like Papua New Guinea, I thought Papua New Guinea played a great brand of rugby. And for the most part, they had good skills uh, for both men and women. What I didn't like was, you know, on the, on the women's side with teams like PNG, teams like Mexico, uh, you know, and then on the men's side, uh, I guess teams like Zimbabwe, Jamaica, uh, geez, some of these and PNG again, they're not getting the chance to face get more reps against high level teams. So you're only giving them pretty much one chance to play a world class team in this tournament with this format. Because uh, so- the only, I would say the only world class team on the women's side. Uh, you know, was that hit the uh, the challenge bracket immediately was England. And then England just destroyed everyone on their road to the challenge final. And, and speaking of England, the only, tier, the, the only team that scored against them in the challenge uh, bracket was Japan. Just, and, and, it, and the game ended up, ended up being 31-5. But the two matches before against Mexico, 59-0. And then with China, 38-0. So Japanese were the only ones to, able to score at them at the end. Interesting thing about China is they're now in the World Series. Yes. Um, they, they qualified, uh, which, whoa, that China-South Africa game? That was, mm-hmm. uh, that was a well, bit rough. So, to, to be fair, South Africa puts virtually no money into their women's program. Well, no, they, they are now. But, I mean, I understand where South Africa is. Two years ago, they shut down the entire program for a reboot. Like, I, I get it. I'm just saying is, like, I, the, from where South Africa was in the qualifier in Hong Kong, because they that was the qualifier. That was the final match. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women's qualifier was Hong Kong, was uh, South Africa, China. It was, like, really close. And then the South Africa, Hong, the South Africa, China game in this – it was kind of embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So we we have the regular series. I know Europe has the Grand Prix. Does World Rugby almost need to come up with a World Series B? Um. So they, they've they've talked about that, but I think it's more uh, better regional tournaments. Uh, mm-hmm. And what they're what they're going to start doing now in uh, last year, uh, you can look it up on America's Rugby News. I think uh, they're they're starting to talk about um, America's sevens, so like your tier two tournament below the World Series. So you'll have like two tournaments in North America and two tournaments in South America, and then South America has you know Sud America sevens. That go mm-hmm. on usually in the winter. Uh, That's right. The one in Villa del Mar and the other one in, in Ran, Buenos Aires. Ran, Ran has like a sevens uh, tournament series as well, but it's not nearly, I would say it's not nearly as well organized. Um, and then Rugby Africa has a seven series of some kind. The, mm-hmm. the one that's kind of weird is, uh, you know, Oceania 
they have a lot of tournaments, but I don't think it's organized as a series because you have like um, you have like Super Sevens in Brisbane and Coral Coast Sevens in Suva. But uh, you know that that's a lot on the on the women's side. Uh, let's let's sort of like talk about the Lady Eagles. Like they played, you know, they played really well. Uh, I mm-hmm. think if Kelter doesn't get injured. If Kelter isn't injured before, uh, you know, two weeks ago, and then, or even if Kelsey Stockert doesn't get injured in captain's run, and Kelly Griffin, who hasn't been on the team for, I think, a year, who is the Olympic captain, if she doesn't have to get flown up on short notice and Kelter was healthy, I, it's not on Kelly Griffin. I just think that that was an extra body that hadn't been on the team in a little bit that also – you know, wasn't that isn't able to slot in right away. And Kelsey Stockert had been coming back from an injury, so also not able to slot in right away, really. And whereas like Kelter is such a significant portion of what we do that it just took away a lot. It took away our kicking, a lot of our kicking, because she kicks uh pretty much every conversion. And then she's just, you know, she she's like someone else I'm gonna talk about. She's a mutant. Like she is a stud. She hits, she runs through people or multiple people. It doesn't matter. You got to hit her right or she is not going down. Uh, for, you know, the women, Ilona Maher had a great debut. Uh, she is a stud and she's a prop. Like she is ready to go. Uh, she, she had a great, I thought she had a great tournament, but Naya Tapper made the dream team. She had a great tournament. Fourth highest in try scoring. Uh, I, you know, it's just not much you can say about her. She was the only person, I think she was the only person to score against the Black Ferns for us. I think she scored two tries against the Ferns. I tell you right now, I did do that if I'm not mistaken. Uh, next day. Uh, what's the one? Not this one, no. Dang, I don't see the score right here, a whole score, but yeah. I believe she did. And by the way, guys, just quickly going over the, the tournament places uh, for the women's. So New Zealand won, obviously. They got in one. Then France, France get two. Then Australia gets three. Then USA fourth. The one that really caught me off guard, Spain at fifth. Was I expecting Spain, that? Spain's good, man. Spain yes. is like – the thing is in, in sevens, in sevens they m- match up really well against mm-hmm. pretty much anyone. In 15s, they don't. And 15s, there are a bunch of them. I think I said it, uh, you know, during the <laughs> – I think I said it during the re- – during uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup. There are a bunch of midgets. Like, they are – like, size-wise, Spain and Italy are very small compared to the other um, – Yeah. Typical size of Mediterranean woman. The other, the other European countries. But in sevens, they're dirty. They're good. Yeah. And, you know – Spain, I think Spanish women and Spanish men are both on the seven series. Mm-hmm, that's right. Maybe I'm spoken. That's right. That's right. But, um, like in but, sevens, in sevens they can compete. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, going over the, the, the continuing with the list. I'm sorry. So in six we got Ireland, Canada seven, which I'm sure they're devastated for that. I was expecting a lot more from from Canada. In all honesty, if Russia got eight, England got ninth. Again, still surprising. Japan got tenth. 11 with Fiji, 12 with China, 13 Brazil, 14 South Africa, 
15 Papua New Guinea, and the one that hurts me the most, Mexico, at 16. The Mexican women were not able to score once. That was so rough. And that, and, that, and, 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 and it's a Latin America, it, it hits me that, that my ladies could not score once. And maybe, like, if I can get my hands on a Serpientes jersey, and maybe the only, like, other, like, I have an all-black jersey, I have a whatever jersey, that may be the only one I, like, actually got because I really like that. But, um, uh, it's going to go off. But, uh, you know, what What other thoughts do you have on the women's tournament, Josh? I almost want to say that uh, I really, it was almost too much, too fast, you could say I realize they're used to playing six games in two days, but I almost wonder if it was too much. I realize the top teams got me. I, maybe I'm confusing it with the men's. <laughs> nice, nice jersey victory. Yeah, for the series, I'm not looking at the camera, guys. I got my Serpientes jersey. Yeah, nice. That's that's it. That's there we go. But nice. the, the only problem is way too tiny. It's Mexican size. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, actually it, like, it's South African because it's cool guy. It, 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 it's like, yeah, exactly. But it's chaparrito size, bro. Like seriously, well, like, I'm, I'm, like I'm not from Puebla. This thing, this thing is way too tiny. I'm not from Puebla. <laughs> and, and by the way, in the in the back, I got one of my favorite players, uh, Marcos Fleckman, the only Mexican Jew that I know who plays. Wow. <laughs> he plays prop. <laughs> he's Mexican and Jewish. All right, all right, but um, but, yeah, so. Josh, you thought it was too much too fast? I mean, really? I, I, I mean... Because they had the men spread out over three days. Oh, that, yeah. Let's talk about that bullshit. Um, I, that was also one something... Man's on that, the second day. That was also something that didn't celebrate the sport. You want a big crowd in front of the Ferns versus France like they deserved? Like, they deserved that because that was a great game. Like, mm-hmm. That was a great game. I, I, I think all the, I think all the finals should have been on Sunday. They yeah, I, should have I, been on Sunday. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, but the way you fix this is you alternate games. Men one, women two. Men one, women two. Men one, women two. And you could – I mean, I thought like they were like, oh, let's compress it. You know, no one's going to go, blah, blah, blah. Well, the moment the men's quarterfinal was over, everybody left. Everybody left. We stayed. It was a great time. And then you get to see the Black Fern Taka, and it was awesome. But, um, yeah, they, they didn't deserve that. They, they, that, was, that was some bullshit. And maybe, mm. maybe World Rugby will stop patronizing. And if they really want to make the Sevens event a celebration of the sport, then you will just alternate matches, and you will have – Pool play, you alternate matches. It's not. It's not that difficult, in my eyes. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Nicole Heverland, stud, stud. Um, whole family seemed to be down from Montana. I saw so many Team Heverland shirts. It was awesome. Um, Ryan Carl, I could name them all. All, all twelve of our women that took the pitch, they were great. Um, moving on to the, the men's side of the tournament, our performance, ah, you know, the England game took it out of it. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that England game took it out of them, but the way I watched us play, uh, Argentina, to be honest, 
Do you guys get the feeling that when we're not in the like final four of a tournament, we pull the plug? Yes. Yep. I'm like, yeah. All the time. Definitely. I mean, that that's what I saw against Argentina. Mm-hmm. I saw yes, I will, you know, we had some injuries. Uh, Danny Barrett had a concussion. Uh, uh, I think the only people available to seven were Carlin and Brett Thompson. I think that, that uh, Pink, Pinkelman came off the bench. Oh, so oh, so we had, we had three subs, right? So yeah. I think the only ones I saw were so Pinkelman, Carlin, Isles. So we had a we had a short bench. We only had three subs to go in instead of five. But I don't know if putting other people people criticized Friday for the lineup. Part of it was driven by injuries, but we just didn't play good. And there have been some complaints about the ref. Well, we played worse than the ref was refing. Okay? End mm. of story. We mailed that crap in. And Argentina took the knife and put it in our heart and then put it in our neck and then took our heart out and ate it. That's what happened. <laughs> And you know what? It was it was revenge over what happened in Vegas when they lost twenty eight zero to USA for uh, for the the final. So I'm sure the Argentinians were like, you know, we need to get revenge for what happened when we played the Gringos. Can't have this happening again. And and they just and then and they just went gouch on their ass. I I kind of knew that the US their heart wasn't in it when uh, Franco Sabato scored that uh, try before half. Mm-hmm. just yeah. threw it in and then he used the soccer skills to score. Yeah. yeah was... and, and by the way, that was beautiful. Ball drops, grab, it hits him right there by his foot, go, goes up, boom, scores. Yeah. good in soccer. So on the men's side of the tournament, uh, it was sort of, at the end, it was sort of weird watching Fiji versus All Black Sevens. Sort of felt like as soon as New Zealand went up, I think it was 10-0 because they didn't score those two conversions. Fiji was just out of it. And then in the second half, they made it look respectable. But talk about talk about a, a crowd that lives and breathes on one team. As soon as uh, I got there late on Sunday, as soon as Fiji lost, I was able to get my seats in the section that I had tickets for. Wow. That's that's all it had to happen for you to lose, and everyone will lose, and everyone will just go. Yeah, my goodness. Um, all Black Sevens, crazy. Uh, England is probably the one team that overachieved, uh, and I would say South Africa kind of underachieved because they won the series, but they still won third place, so not a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, England was fifth, right? So they they overachieved from the series, taking second. Uh, losing to uh, New Zealand. So. Mm-hmm. And just going over the, the list, guys, of placings. Um, so New Zealand, obviously, champions at, at one. England at two. South Africa at three. Fiji at four. Argentina at five. USA at six. Scotland at seven. France at eighth. Ireland at ninth. Uh, Australia at tenth. That one really surprised me. Um, Wales at eleventh. Canada at twelfth. Samoa at thirteen. Russia at fourteen. Japan at 15, Kenya 16, Chile at 17, Hong Kong at 18, Uganda at 19th, Uruguay at 20th, PNG, Papua New Guinea at 21st, Tonga at 22nd, Zimbabwe at 23rd, 
and my fellow West Indians, uh, the Jamaicans, um, at 24th. That one also hurt. Where was so, Scotland? Scotland, uh, that was at 7th uh, on the oh, USA. I totally didn't hear that. Oh, uh, oh dude, I'm totally I was right. like, man, I was waiting for Scotland to be in the 20s. No, 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 no. I was, was going to blame it on that lime green bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, but let's just let's just leave it at this. They all had a good time, except for Samoa and Wales. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm gonna I'm gonna screen share because we're gonna move on topics here, uh, real quick. We're gonna talk about season two for Major League Rugby, and you know I previously have talked about how you know players should not be released to amateur clubs like there was in pro where players just went every which way um players have been released to play sevens that is a little bit different uh i talked to some sabercats guys this weekend who were out in you know san francisco enjoying rugby world cup sevens their report date is 17 september so um, if based on some of the other things we've gotten from i think the legion yeah we got the legion uh, the Sea Wolves have sent out their season ticket thing, and the Warriors have sent out their season ticket thing. We got a newsletter from uh, from Glendale today, talking about their season and what it's going to look like. Because, and I remember Gary talking about this in an interview uh, with Matt McCarthy um, that uh, he mentioned that. MLR teams would have some type of exhibitions going on before the November internationals. So based on that newsletter, I put together a uh, a calendar based on the fact that we would have seven teams. I'm not saying it's going to be home and away. I think the schedule is going to be unbalanced and we're going to have some bye weeks in between. So let's see if I can pull that up. But uh, what this looks like is is an 18-week regular season. I've templated uh, what is like an eight-week exhibition season and a five-week preseason, per se. I'm going based on report dates from the Sabercats being 17 September. So you have an exhibition fixture window being 22 September all the way out to 17 November. And then you'd have a bye for Thanksgiving. And then you'd have five preseason fixtures. I've templated a bye for Christmas and New Year's. And then two preseason fixtures in between New Year's and then 19 January, which would be the week before the season kicks off. So, you know, basically how regular preseasons work. You have a bye before the season kicks off. And then we'll go uh, freaking – Bottle to throttle regular season 26 January all the way to 25 May. And then based on, and that's based on interviews with Dean House and Nick Benson on rugby wrap up. Uh, they said they were templating a launch of about 24 January, the Saturday of that week, 24 January is a Thursday. And then they said finish up 15 June, which is a Saturday. So I just, so the dates on this calendar I shared out on Twitter is uh, the Saturday of that weekend. Um, so thir- I'm all for Thursday night footy if their launch is going to be the 24th of January. Um, you know, I'm all about that. But that basically gives you a picture of what to expect for season two. 
And if you have not seen this, please make sure to watch the video format of the podcast. It's also on Reddit. Yeah, it's also posted on Reddit and on Twitter. Um, so, so what do you guys, what do you guys think of the format, Josh? Uh, I, I think it works. It's just the question of how many teams and whether or not we're having buys. Because I mean, if you have, if we're having all ten teams, it makes sense if we have no buys. But I don't think that's going to happen. So I think I still think they're going to have the two buys. So you can do um, seven home and away and two two singles. So seven home and away, one home and one away. So your sixteen. Well, I, right I think I think you end up. You know, um, I I think what will end up happening is you play not a home and away. Somebody's got interference. Yeah, that, that's that's Josh. My bad. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I don't. I think it's my prediction is I think it's going to be an unbalanced schedule. Uh, and based on that interview that was on Rugby Wrap Up, it sounded like you know we could we could have DC. We could have eleven teams this year. It's possible, which would make. Uh, sense for an unbalanced uh, for an unbalanced schedule. Now the question is: Do you, do you guys prefer MLR to have a, a buy for certain teams, or is, do you think it's better if if we have an even number of teams, so that way there's if there's teams, excuse me, if there's ten teams, there are five games for a week. Well, everyone had a buy, uh, so every everyone had two buys this year, so mm-hmm, you right. can have an unbalanced schedule where you have the same amount of buys. I'm sure the the finagling and finessing of that will have to will occur. Uh, but we just need to get to the point where we can create divisions. But if the money is there to get these teams off the ground, you need to get the teams off the ground sooner than later. But you also need to stop your expansion at a certain point so that the market I think the viewer market for for high level competitive rugby is a lot further ahead than the talent market needed to support a six say a sixteen team league. I think by adding the arrows, bringing them in, opens up another pathway to source talent, which is Canada in general, because we've seen the competitiveness of the BC Premier League with all those teams that came down. And played, uh, uh, the and played Sabercats. So by having a cross-border league, the Canadians would no longer count as foreign against the cap. Yes, teams would have to get visas for them, but you know it, it severely reduces the impact of the amount of players you will have to find for expansion. So it will be similar to the NHL, where many American teams have a significant number of Canadian players, but they don't really count for the cap. Well, well, I mean, in for the NHL, there is no there is no cap on foreign players. Ah, okay. Well, I take back what I said. Then let's just be clear. (laughs) I take back what I said. Um, eventually, MLR can be like that, where this is the league that people want to come to and play because the salaries are the highest. And the quality of play eventually becomes that, but we're t- that's a twenty-year discussion right now. 
Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I think this. Uh, I think that schedule makes sense. You have a structured sort of off-season program with some exhibition games against some high-level amateur clubs, and then you have a full-on preseason camp with fixtures against MLR teams, and then you go straight into it in January at the end of the NFL season, solidifying your regular season window with broadcasters in season two. That's what I think is what this is about. Um, any other opinions? Insults? I want to mention that um, uh, Rugby United New York also pulled out – well, I mean, I didn't mention it the other time – has put uh, put out the fact that they are already uh, accepting uh, pre-orders for the 2019 season. I think we said that last episode. Yeah, 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 we did. Yeah, yeah, so, went, went. Um, yeah. yeah uh, so I guess uh, that about wraps up really the MLR discussion. That will be uh, – It'll be interesting to see what it looks like overall uh, as more details get released and these teams get confirmed. Uh, we did have one transaction. Ben Foden, uh, based on the press release yesterday, was signed by New York. Uh, and so I'm going to say that's confirmed. Although it was in his testimonial from Northampton, which is basically like a retirement dinner of some kind. And they had the Rugby United New York in the testimonial program. So that was like two months ago. So, uh, you know, basically a charity match. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's about time to, you know, get through some views, news and abuse, get to some questions, but hopefully the the editor is, uh, awake because he's got something to do right now. What's going on guys. So wait, up on, uh, your, Season two discussion. Did you say five games a week? Uh, right? Yeah. If well, it depends. Um, because like you know, this year we had some weeks with uh, two, but I think you will average five games a week because it's it's an eighteen it's eighteen week it's an eighteen week window. But I think you're going to have sixteen games. That's what I think. I'm just wondering if this is going to ruin my marriage. That's kind of what I'm trying to dig down to. <laughs> I hope he well, doesn't. Well, um, well uh, my significant other loves the rugby, and she loves staring at their butts, at the men's butts. So it, it goes both ways. It's true. My wife's really uh, taken with uh, Nola Gold, so uh, maybe they'll do well next year, and she'll get excited for it. So, so Aaron, we'll so, Aaron, after what happened with Bryce Campbell going to London Irish, do they have a new a new fan in your significant other? Um, no, she. I mean, that's an eagle. That's just that's like one of her favorite players. But um, I, I I don't know. We don't watch, especially. Well, here's a problem. How do you watch championship games? That I is a good to, question. I know how that's to watch. I know how to watch the Gallagher. We're just. I'm just gonna call it the Gallagher. It's not. not yeah. It's not, no. I mean, come on, it's called Gallagher. I mean, you think I Gallagher to, and you're already thinking the comedian with the, with I, the, with the watermelons and the, I, and the mallet. That's what I I'm thinking. Watch, I know how to watch the Gallagher, but how would you watch the premiership? So, well, it, um, it, 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 used to be, it used to be through the rugby channel. I don't know now. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know who's going to replace, uh, you know, him and Glendale's back line for her to uh, mm-hmm. immediately have 
crush on because if she's gonna like two backs in the in Glendale, they're gonna need to they're gonna need to find another you know unit for the back line to fill those shoes. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I think it's time for tweet of the week. If you guys are good with that, yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit uh, from our news section. Uh, but as a point of explanation before I dive into this tweet here, uh, something pretty special happened today. Uh, Sabercats, Houston Sabercats, broke ground on their new stadium. So uh, had a lot of folks turn out for it, including uh, Sylvester Turner, mayor of Houston. And that's who our tweet comes from this week. And so he had to say after the event, after the groundbreaking, excited for the new Houston Sabercats stadium, rugby ball emoji, the city of Houston, Houston Sports Authority, and Aviva broke ground on this new world-class sports complex. Hashtag Go Cats Go. So uh, I really like this one just because it shows uh, how widespread the buy-in in Houston is for Sabercats and for this this league. And I think that's really awesome. Have the mayor out there for a groundbreaking of a major new facility. And just the fact that uh, the Sabercats are investing in this and willing to, you know, with their uh, sponsors, put up the cash and really lean into MLR saying this is something that's going to be here for a long time. It's a good day. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to views, news and abuse. I did watch their press conference. So we'll talk. So Houston broke ground on their stadium and someone asked on Reddit, uh, you know how much did this? How much is this project going to cost? Because I think it's a multi-phase project. Uh, I think the the first phase is going to be the thirty-five hundred seats plus five hundred standing room only spots. Because I look at the rendering and I make it, and based on I'm basing this off New Orleans uh, stadium that went in. I think this, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to the complex is going to have three practice pitches. To, and then the main stadium, uh, a nice, lovely press box for ingrates like us. Um, but uh, Sylvester Turner, uh, during the press conference, he talked about what was what's going into this. So uh, by agreement with the Sabercats, the uh, city ha- will reimburse the construction of 1,100 parking spaces. Uh that will be located at Aviva Stadium because um, that's something they desperately needed for the Houston Amateur Sports Park. So that's uh, part of the deal here. And then the Sabercats are investing $10 million in this stadium. So that's so it's going to cost $13.2 million for this project. I don't think that's all in phase one. I think that's in phase one and phase two, but, you know, we'll find out. Uh, but that says a lot about what's being invested in rugby in this country right now. It's the second purpose-built facility for rugby. It's, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a community facility that they can have other events. I know that uh, the Houston Sabercats want to host the Enscro, uh, uh, you know, uh, was it a regional all-star tournament next year, which would be great. Uh so that that's just that's that's something that's huge. Uh, Glendale changed their academy model. So instead of recruiting an entire team and playing against either local colleges or 
you know, wanting to be in an academy league. There isn't an academy league right now. Um, there, there just isn't. But it's important to understand that that's only their senior academy model because Glendale has a youth program that goes from flag to U18 in men's and women's. So, I mean, they've got, they've got little Merlins running around, you know, uh, playing co-ed uh, flag rugby. And then they've got, you know, the bigger team, the bigger high school, all the way up to the high school kids. Uh, but they're only going to recruit a set number of players to go into the senior academy based on how many guys earned contracts from their academy side this year. And the fact that all the MLR teams aren't at the same point in their development of their academy sides. So you can't really keep fielding this 30-person academy side and flying it everywhere, even though you know, you're not paying wages to this academy side. It still costs money to fly this team because they, they took a trip. They've taken some long road trips and played some good rugby. Um, so something I found in, in, the, uh, in the minutes from USA Rugby last week was that USA Rugby voted to sanction MLR on 26 April, and they entered a review period to finish the final sanctioning agreement uh, following the MLR final. So we should... We should receive about 90 days at the end of that. It should be finalized. So looking about October timeframe that uh, MLR is officially sanctioned by USA Rugby. Um, New Orleans announced their combine dates. Uh, They will be – the first one is in New Orleans. The second one's in Mobile. And the third one, which is on September 16th, I think. Yes, September 16th, so a Sunday – is in Southern Pines, North Carolina. So, people of the South, they're coming to you. If you are wanting to play MLR, you're a high-level rugby player, hit up those combines. And that's just the first of, you know, many announcements. I'm sure there will be more, um, you know, more combines from other teams. So, (sighs) Very exciting for all those folks down there in the Southeast. So... Real quick, just uh, rolling back to the uh, sanctioning, um, Aaron or anybody else, could you guys speak to what, for those new uh, haven't been following the story, what's the value of being sanctioned by USAR for MLR? Well, so there's a value of being like declared, not declared illegal, um, because that happened in the late 90s. They're what the original Major League Rugby was declared illegal by USA Rugby, and they banned players and refs. Um, but it, what it what it, it means the league is accepting additional oversight. It, it's really more about the players than it is not, um, because they get additional protections with their contracts, so that these contracts from every major competition in the world get verified by world rugby because of regulation four. And it also, that sanctioning agreement will also say MLR agrees to releasing players to the union, things like that. Okay. Uh, So for the fan fan experience, it will change nothing, but for the player experience, it will change a lot of stuff. Excellent. 
All right. So uh, if you guys are not opposed, I think we'll go ahead and roll right on into questions from Bob. And for starting out, we've got uh, a couple questions from Killer 95 And I have to apologize. Um, this guy has been talking to us off and on for quite a while now, and I have been calling him Karma Killer the whole damn time. It's so Kama, I am, It's Kama? I thought it was Karma. Well, yeah, so it's Kama now. <laughs> I could have swore it was Karma as well, so wow. I'm not sure what happened. Okay. All right. Uh, so Killer 95 had a couple questions for us. How large of an impact do you expect the extended season, January to June, to have on teams uh, that start playing regularly in September, like the Glendale Raptors? Well, Glendale and well, everyone except San Diego is going to have to recruit more players. Because San Diego at one point had, well, maybe even San Diego, because I know they had signed 51 different players. They had, thanks to Josh, 43 different players play. Uh, you know, like, all if they're going to play that long of a season, everyone's going to need a training squad of about 40, I think. Hmm. That's, that's very interesting, just seeing how that works out. Now, for training squads and stuff, stuff like that, those would not be paid positions, though, so it wouldn't count against the salary cap? No, I, I think that um, that's sort of – I think the entire squad, so match fee players, would be included in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the salary cap's extending, but you're going to have to recruit more match fee players and maybe even you know more full-time players. I don't know, depending on how they work their numbers. All right. I, I'm saying is that contracted players, they're going to need about 40 players based on this last season. All right. So, and I'd like us all to take a stab at this one. Uh, Camo also wants to know, which team's venue do you expect to be the toughest to play in during the 2019 season? Seattle. New Orleans. Yeah, it's a Seattle too. Starfire. I'll go with uh, San Diego just because uh, they've real they've, did very well down there this year. I mean, mine has nothing to do with the crowd right now. Um, mine has everything to do with the environmental effects. So once you get to about mid-April and this season goes from, you know, the first half of the season is going to be whatever, but the second half of the season is going to be pretty hellish if you have to play day games in New Orleans or Houston. Uh, okay, so I, I remember them saying I, I thought I heard this somewhere about how like the new the Northeast teams, New York and Ontario, would play the first half of their season away. I, I no, I, there's no way, there's no way that they're gonna play eight game or seven games away. I could see them playing most of their games away, but it just makes no sense. You need to have. You need to have fixtures because you need to create interest in your team. And guess what? You know, Glendale plays in the snow. I just don't want to hear that crap. That's all I got to say. Harden up, people. We play rugby in the rain and snow and in the sleet. Please. I can see them. This is what I can see happening. Uh, Ontario will play the first two away, then they'll play one at home, then they'll play two away, and they'll play one at home. 
Does that make sense for everyone? Yeah. Like I, they will. I think they will play most of their. I think Ontario, and New York will probably play most of their games away. Yeah, it makes sense, and just to let things but, warm up a little bit. But I don't think they will play seven straight away. That yeah, just that makes no, that makes no sense commercially. Yeah, another Toronto Wolfpack. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> All right, milk steak connoisseur wants to know. What does the signing of Ben Fulton say about the state of MLR? Um, I don't know. I think the money is probably right because he's going to be a player coach. Uh, and it says that he just wants to try something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Foden's a guy who could still have had a premiership contract. Maybe he would end up being a squad player. But I think the what you can bring in with a guy with Foden's experience is all the coaching stuff that you need. Uh, because the reality is, is we don't have all of the coaches that can communicate uh, everything they need, uh, you know, at this high of a level. And, you know, to an extent, player coaches is a way to keep costs down because, you know, one thing that I give credit to Glendale and uh, San Diego too, is they had, you know, they had more than just the head coach. They had two assistants or in Glendale's case, cause they have a full program. They have like four assistants. Um, you know, I, I think larger staffs is going to be necessary, but I don't know necessarily know if we can afford larger coaching staffs right now. Hey, Seattle just won a championship with a player coach. Um, well, I can tell you that Phil doesn't want to have to do that again. <laughs> well, and you, can, and you cannot blame the man. I, I mean, he just won a championship not as a player coach, but as the player head coach. And it's they Brandon. didn't have they didn't have like they had Brandon Sparks was in from the last half of the you know the season to do a lot of analysis and. Play. An assistant coaching, but he's back in Michigan for now. I, you know, it's it's just going to be extremely difficult when the training demands are going to be more and the season doubles. I think to an extent they had a perfect storm and it worked for them. They rallied around each other and they had one of the best spines of a team. So they were going to be good. We just – a lot of us, you know, in the media sort of, you know, cr- I guess probably created more drama than there really was. And maybe the drama did exist and maybe it was a lot. But that, again, the right players in leadership roles will rally around each other. And this is why I don't – this is why I think none of these Canadian players are going to go play for Ontario because they're – they. They're a special team, if that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense, and they proved that on the pitch this year. Uh, Also for Milk Steak, does anyone see any of the new expansion teams as likely playoff contenders? And I think we can go around the circle again on this one. I I say, guys, that we won't know until we actually see the rosters. I mean, once the rosters are are out, then we can sort of guess if they're contenders or not. I'll go ahead and put New York out there. I think no. with the talent that's I mean, there, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I mean, I'm a New Yorker, but even I don't know. I, it, so here's my thing. If, if we're we we're have, not saying championship contenders here. We're no, just no, saying no. playoffs. If we have 10 teams, right? If we have 10 teams and they get all their player loans back. So Fawcett, Walsh, Perry, Deacon, oh. Brown. If they get all those guys back. Um... You know, I've heard some weird stuff about a sixteen pl- a sixteen playoff. It's a sixteen playoff. I think they're automatically. I think they're going to be a middle of the table team. I really do. We talking uh, Rooney here, Aaron? Sorry, yeah, we're talking. I'm talking New York. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I think automatically they're a middle of the table team based on who was on the roster uh, for their exhibition season. Um, you know, I think they're a they're a five sixteen. Um, right now, what we don't know is what their player recruitment in totality looks like. That's past that because they're going to need more players. But if they have Ben Foden and some other dudes on that roster, uh, you know, with some international experience and some high level club experience again, you know, I, I could say they'll be number that they can slot into number four, that they can make it. But I don't think they're a championship contender. I think you've got a. Uh, I think you've got Glendale and Seattle to go through to uh, to call yourselves a championship contender right now. So, I'm gonna say though that I think um, arrows are gonna make a real show, and I'll tell you why. I think as much as we're talking about, you know, Seattle's not gonna have a mass exodus to the arrows. I think especially the eastern part of the country is going to. Uh, of Canada is really going to rally around that team. It's their first entry. It's it's a big deal, and I think this there could be a lot of energy coming out of that camp. So I also think that Ontario is going to compete and easily will be a mid-table team. So I mean, I'm not saying these guys are going to enter the league and be uh, bottom of the table. I'm saying they they will compete. They will have good seasons, but I. I don't know if I'm ready to give up those, uh, you know, one of the three, four playoff spot to uh, either of them yet. So, and then LA Coast, I'm going to pencil in at the bottom because they don't have a player signed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's another one, too. Or a coach. We'll see what happens there. Or, a coach. So. or exactly. Or a coach. Good point. So. so, the last question of the night comes from uh, Blurandowski. 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 Yeah. Now Lorensky. 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 Uh, want, who wants to know? Who do you think uh, punched above and below their weight for most of this season? And he said, Houston and Seattle are not allowed as part of this conversation. So who's better than we were expecting? Who is worse than we were expecting? Not Houston and Seattle. Hmm. San Diego was better. Austin was worse. Yeah, I, I, I second what Josh said. I second well, kind of what so, I was thinking. Yeah, but I, I want to say, I want to say Utah punched above their weight because I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs the way they were playing, and that's probably because Austin punched below their weight. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, I have to say that. Moving on. Yeah, I was going to say, say that's I, I do have a final thought. 
We will be taking what amounts to a six-week break, but I've already got some content for you guys next week in the shoot. Uh, Corey's probably seen it. Uh, I recorded last week with Gordon Hanlon to talk about scrummaging. We're going to get some more scrum talk going on. Uh, hopefully I can get Justin Fitzpatrick to just talk about scrummaging, um, to expand on that, and talk about the Irish way specifically. Want to hear about the Irish way, and then he's also he also likes to coach the Argentine way. So I want to hear about that, and then um, after we get, if I can get Justin Fitzpatrick on there, we're gonna try and talk to Darren Morris and talk about the Welsh way of scrummaging. Um, but yeah, we're gonna take six weeks off. We're gonna do some some lineouts content so you guys have some stuff to feed on. But uh, we will be back in the middle of September, right when preseason starts. Refreshed and ready to go, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Want to thank everybody for tuning in to Earful of Dirt this week. Uh, this is episode. What is this? Episode forty something, rather five. Forty-five, and the last episode of season one so we'll be back with season two here in a few weeks thank you so much and please subscribe to our youtube channel uh at earful of dirt podcast like us on facebook and on twitter and on instagram all at earful of dirt check out our website at earfulofdirt.com we're uh available for down download most wednesdays at itunes acast google play stitcher player fm and please, as always, leave us a review because that helps us move up and uh, get noticed. You can check us, or you can get a hold of us at our voicemail. That is always online and available at 720-600-2679. Leave us a voicemail there and we may even play it on air. Otherwise, uh, we are live Monday nights at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, uh, when we come back in September, that is. And if anything changes with those times, we will, of course, alert you ahead of Season two's start. But as of now, I think uh, that's our plan. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it has been an honor and a uh, privilege to be part of this show and to be speaking uh, on the sport that we all love so much. So thank you guys so much for an amazing Season 1. Thank you to Dan, who, though he hasn't been able to be on air recently, has been a consistent and strong supporter, uh, even with not being here with us regularly. And uh, thank you to Josh, to Aaron, to Victor. Thank you guys all for all your hard work. Thank you to all the guests we've had on for season one. It's been an amazing time. And so thank you most of all to you guys, the listeners and the viewers for, uh, keeping our energy up and just giving us the uh, reason we're doing this. So thank you guys. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you, Liam, for being a replacement for Dan. <laughs> Thank you, Liam. Take Terrence. Terrence, where are you? <laughs> All right, we'll see you in a few weeks, guys. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.